lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Todd and Aaron McIntyre. They're here too. 888-900-3393 is the number if you would like to join us as well. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Try liking us on Facebook, although we've had like 200 likes, guys. 200, which means given the shadow ban that remains in effect uh, for us on Facebook, do you know how many people are really checking out our Facebook page right now? If we've added 200 likes? At least 201. At least 200. Thank you. Yeah, It's probably a lot more than that because I think we've added 200 likes in like the last five years. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And if you are looking for samples of this program that you can share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. All right, coming up here a little bit later on, um, Kyle Mann is with the Babylon Bee. And that's, they're, they're one of the people I want to be more like when I grow up. And we're going to find out how you can still find humor at a time like this. Theology Thursday, next hour, we're going to take a break from our imminent demise and and play along with three non-political questions. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by the never-ending story. Yeah, I think if we get to the part of the curve that uh, Dr. Burke showed yesterday when it goes down to essentially no new cases, no deaths at a period of time. I think it makes sense that you're going to have to relax social dis- uh, distancing. Yes, President Anthony Fauci is all aboard the indefinite shutdown train. Meanwhile, the U.S. added 6.6 million jobless claims last week, bringing the total up to around 10 million people filing for unemployment benefits since the Wuhan coronavirus shutdown started a few weeks ago. Economist Stephen Moore of the Heritage Foundation told Glenn Beck yesterday. These are tough questions. I was uh, apologize for being a little late for your show today. I was on the phone with some of the folks at the White House talking about this. And it's a, you know, the president's got some really tough decisions to make. And this is, you know, his Churchillian moment. He has to, he has to guide us through this. Um, I, I think the idea, you know, I live in Virginia. Uh, our governor insanely has said that he wants to keep the economy locked down until the middle of June. That to me is not That's crazy. Not be an economy. It's crazy. It's lunatic. I mean, you do that, there's not going to be an economy left to rebuild in, 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 uh, in June when, when the things are reopened. Meanwhile, in Japan, Deputy Prime Minister Teiro Aso had this to say. Speaking to Japanese lawmakers, the Deputy Prime Minister said the WHO should change its name to the CHO, or China Health Organization. <laughs> Although the details are murky, the WHO's previous director general was a Chinese national, and at the time, there were complaints all around. And now, at least, the petition has gathered 300,000 signatures, or rather, 500,000 signatures. People think the World Health Organization should change its name. It shouldn't be called the WHO. It should be renamed the CHO. This appeal is truly resonating with the people. 
Good news, infectious disease expert Dr. Stephen Smith, who has a degree from Duke and a doctorate from the Yale University School of Medicine, told Laura Ingram yesterday he's hopeful that hydroxychloroquine will be a game changer. You pointed out that not a single patient of yours, COVID patient, uh, that has been on the hydroxy regimen has had to be intubated. For people who don't know what intubated means, please explain quickly. Yeah, so uh, intubated means your respiratory, you're in respiratory failure and you have to be put on a ventilator. Intubation means actually putting the tube down into your trachea and then you're placed on a ventilator for support, respiratory support. We've had, uh, I mentioned the 20 intubations, over most all of them occurred in the first two days. More importantly, no person has received five days or more of the hydroxychloroquine and zithro combination has been intubated. Laura, I think this is the beginning of the end of the pandemic. I'm very serious. The governors of Florida and Georgia are the latest to issue statewide stay-at-home orders yesterday. So far in the United States, over 216,000 people have tested positive for the Wuhan coronavirus with 5,137 deaths from people with the virus. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Freedom Project uh, Academy. If uh, you're one of those parents and Chances are most of you watching this right now are that are now schooling your children from home or overseeing them doing distance learning uh, because of what's going on across the country with the SARS-2 coronavirus pandemic. Uh, You may end up finding, though, that, uh, hey, maybe we could make this work on a permanent basis. Who says I got to send them back to that leftist center of indoctrination? Well, that's where Freedom Project Academy comes from. Uh, It is uh, overseen by our good friend, Dr. Duke Pesta, who's been on this show several times. He's a tenured professor of English at the University of Wisconsin. He's the director of FPA. And this was established because they wanted to create an accredited classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for students K through 12. My own son, Noah, went to school here for three years during his homeschooling regimen uh, and, and, and really grew as a result as well. So it's complete interactive educational experience where students attend live classes with other students across the country from the comfort and safety of your own home. If you want to learn more about this, uh, this is how you can teach your kid how to think. Not necessarily what to think. Critical thinking is at the heart of what they do at Freedom Project Academy. Freedomforschool.com is the website where you can go and get your free information packet today. Freedomforschool.com. Again, that is freedomforschool.com. I'd like us to engage in a little critical thinking now, if we could. And... I have my, uh, my my Catholic editor sitting here to the right of me. And, and, you know, two years ago or three years ago now, and we had the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. We spent a good deal of time on this show kind of going back and forth over that history and discussing and, and debating uh, the issues that were at play, me from an evangelical perspective uh, and yours from a Catholic one. And here we still are. We didn't issue fatwas against each other or anything like that. Indeed, uh, we did not. But I think it might be time to, for us to, um, with each other, issue a fatwa if you know what i'm saying i think it is time for us to borrow a term that's been used in the past for moments like this i think it is time for us to have a a disputation and i think this time i think this time you and i will will probably join together in the vetting of pope fauci the wise and imminent are you okay? Are, are you game. willing to join me in this disputation? I'm game. Will, will you join me at the Wittenberg door as we nail a few theses? Just to, again, we're just we're just asking questions. 
Will you join me in this quest, Mr. Erzin? Let's cast this Pachimama into the River Tiber. Uh, <laughs> All right. With that said, then, can we begin with this question? Can someone explain to me why we are currently debating why our home state of Iowa and states like North Dakota and Wyoming have not yet declared themselves de facto police states? But yet, right now, in Dr. Fauci's hometown of New York City, which is the hot zone for SARS-2 coronavirus in the United States, you can still ride the subway. Anybody? Bueller? Hello, McFly? Is this on? Anybody? Can anybody answer that for me? Can anybody answer that for me while we are breathlessly demanding right now? States like the one I live in, where as of yesterday, 60 people were in the hospital from SARS-2 coronavirus. 60. 60. 60 total. Why I have to live in a police state, or North Dakota does, or Wyoming does, but I can still ride the subway in New York City. Does that, does that make any sense to you? Mr. Erzin, I ask. This is the kind of thing that makes Governor Cuomo a clear candidate for president of the United States. That, it, that level of seamless logic yes. is the thing you want in a leader, Steve. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I want to take your panic seriously. I'm trying. It's just you I don't take seriously. It, it's just, you want to panic. How about right now the unemployment rate in America is higher than it was during the second year of the Great Depression? Is that okay to panic about? Or do hashtag unemployed lives matter or not? By the way, the University of Zurich went back and looked at the Great Recession a decade ago. And you know what it found? Across the board, all over the world, regardless of region, suicide rates went up 20 to 30% during the Great Recession of a decade ago. Do their lives matter? Do we, that's another question I'd like to ask. Do their lives matter? I think Pope Franch, uh, Francie called these, uh, uh, or Fauci, Freudian slip there. You see what I did? Yikes. <laughs> that's, that's why I didn't stop you. I was, going, like, I was like, that's a deeper version rabbit hole right there. Yes, yes. Yes, Catholics are kind of hanging on by a very thin thread as it is. Uh, no, but didn't he describe it as, quote, um, an inconvenience? That's yes. just all this is, Steve. Yeah. Apparently, not so inconvenient in New York City that I can't hop on the subway. Because, you know, that's clean. I mean, when you think of disinfected places in America, the New York City subway, where does that rank on your list, ladies and gentlemen? Where does that rank? Fairly low. Oh, it's not on your list? Because <laughs> you have common sense. But then again, how dare we question Pope Fauci, the wise and imminent. Indeed. So, I mean, I wouldn't presume to question Pope Fauci. But I'm just curious. Can, can people that went to places like Carnegie Mellon, Stanford, Oxford, Yale, and Duke, are, 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 they, are they qualified to, to dare, to dare graze upon the, the hem of the garment of Pope Fauci, the eminent and, and wise? Could, could, could those from the same college of cardinals, shall we say, might they be qualified to question our fearless leader. For example, Dr. David Katz of Yale, writing in the noted right-wing science-denying publication known as the New York Times, uh, openly questioned whether the cure of Pope Fauci's mass shutdowns is worse than the disease. Heretic. How about Dr. John Ioannidis of Stanford, writing a peer-reviewed studied 
unquote, the harms of exaggerated information and non-evidence-based measures, unquote, to fight SARS-2 coronavirus. He's looking at you, Pope Fauci. Again, burned at the stake. How about um, Sunutra Gupta, the professor of theoretical epidemiology at Venerable Oxford? Not just she's so smart, she doesn't eat, she, she can't, the real epidemiology is like beneath her, okay? She's studying the theoretical epidemiology. That's how smart she is. The epidemiologists we don't even know about yet, she's ahead of us and already studying them, guys, okay? Um, uh, she directly contradicted the now revised, uh, shall I uh, uh, call that gaslighted, Imperial College simulation that spooked Pope Fauci and our government. Oh, by the way, Pope Fauci is now giving you numbers. If you want to know, indeed, just how, how, how preeminent and wise he is, praise be upon him. Um, Pope Fauci's numbers for America are actually now worse than what Imperial College survey is currently forecasting. Worse. Worse. In fact, he told us on Monday that America could see up to six times the amount of deaths that the entire world has seen up until this point, despite our wealth, our prosperity, and our medical ingenuity. We're basically Congo. Okay. How about Wesley Pegden? Is, is he permitted to question Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise? Um, he is the associate professor at mathematics of Carnegie Mellon. That's one of the leading research institutions in this country. It's a top 25 university in the country, private or public, according to the latest survey from U.S. News and World Report. And, and he mentioned recently that uh, the simulations and mass shutdowns, Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise, is commanding us to be, quote, inconvenienced with uh, that they have a poison pill am i permitted to quote cardinal pegden is that is that am i within liturgical ecclesiastical order am i permitted to quote a fellow cardinal here from the from the same school of thought have we consulted any of the conservative blue checks yet who said that uh pope fauci should be given the presidential medal of freedom three weeks ago i it, think we're, we better make sure that they're okay with all of this well just in case you know what? I'm kind of a don't ask for permission, but beg for forgiveness later guy. Fair enough. Let, let me quote Professor Megden from Carnegie Mellon. Again, a school most of us can't spell, let alone get into. Okay, quote, uh, the duration of containment does not matter. As long as a large majority of the population remains uninfected, lifting containment measures will lead to an epidemic almost as large as would happen without having mitigations mm, in that's place. That's interesting. I'm glad I gave you an indulgence Unquote. to go move forward with that thank, one. That's thank like you. Very. By the way, Please pass on. If, if you get branded by Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise, uh, if you are no longer in his good favor, feel free. I will take that blame. Go ahead and pass on. Make me your substitutionary atonement, you. if you will. Thank you. Okay. Um, let me translate what Professor Pegden is telling you. That behavior modification we're currently attempting is, is no magic bullet. That's what he's telling you. Uh, at, at some point, we have to assume the risk of mortality as previous generations did. At some point, we have to recognize that there are things in this world beyond us. Previous generations recognized this. They fought a far more vicious virus known as polio. They saw hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of their countrymen, many of them children, struck down, paralyzed as a result of polio for decades. And yet they still managed to industrialize this country to win not one, but two world wars. And keep in mind, well, Steve, they had a vaccine. 
Jonas Salk did not inject his own children with his polio vaccine until almost 20 years of failed trials. 20 years of failed trials. So again, I ask, is it okay to question Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise? You want me to trust the experts? Which experts? Madam, sirs, which experts would you like me to trust? Um, I wouldn't presume to know more about this than Dr. Fauci does. But what about the experts I just cited? How about the one that was in Aaron's montage? Um, I mean, what does he know? Dr. Stephen Smith. I mean, he's probably from like the Breitbart school of flat earthers, right? Right. That's probably where he's Mm -hmm. from, right? Actually, I looked him up. Yeah, Aaron mentioned he's a Duke and Yale grad. He's got his post-doctrinal, his postdoctoral training at the University of Virginia and the National Institutes of Allergies and Infected Diseases. But I know because he was on Laura Ingram's show last night, offering any amount of hope with like real data that he's instantly disqualified, at least in the eyes of this White House task force, uh, helmed by uh, Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise. Apparently now I have poor news. I've got bad news for you, Dr. Stephen Smith. You, you didn't see any of those helped patients that you thought you saw and you lack all credentials and credibility. You can't possibly be trusted. Sucks to be you. Because again, remember when he was asked about um, this drug, help me to remember, because I went to community college, Aaron. Um, how is it pronounced again? How is what pronounced? The drug. Oh, Dr. Hy- Smith's drug. Hydroxychloroquine. Thank you. That's too many syllables for me. Okay. When Dr. Fauci was asked about this drug last week um, and whether it had any hope that he had seen so far, he said, and I quote, quote, the answer is no. That's quote. That's what he said. The answer is no. I guess Dr. Stephen Smith can now be added to the ranks of the heretical. How about the World Health Organization? You guys want me to trust them, right? Except in a tweet that they amazingly still have up. Yeah. Which shows once and for all, self-awareness is gone. It's dead, not just in America, but on this third rock from the sun, it is gone. You can still go and get the World Health Organization's tweet from January saying, like Frank Drebin in Naked Gun, nothing to see here, folks, move along. China says, do you have any to worry about? (laughs) How about the CDC? Trust the experts, Steve. How about the CDC? Because they still can't tell me whether I need to wear a mask in public or not. Well, they first told us they wouldn't help. Now they're not sure. Now now there's rumors that any day now they're going to tell us that that's their new guideline. But trust the experts, Steve. Trust the experts. Which ones? Which ones would you like me to trust? Why aren't these counter experts' opinions counted as valid? Why are we not seeing these differing opinions vet each other? How come they're never asked at White House press briefings with Pope Fauci, uh, who's obviously the biggest influence on American policy at the moment? How come he, I don't know, maybe he has, and they're discredited, but wouldn't you like to know? I know why. Do you think you know why? Oh, yeah. Yeah, please tell because me. Because the coronavirus inquisition is as lit as the Gadsden Mall. And uh, <laughs> he's got a ready and willing Torquemada, and that's the media. It's not complicated. Well, I've been known to defy bullies since my childhood, so I'm going to defy this 
Inquisition as well. All right? Because I think you and I deserve to know these answers. And we deserve to get answers to these questions. You know why? Because Dr. Fauci is still getting paid, like most bureaucrats. Well, a lot of you sitting at home, well, at least 10 million of you right now, aren't. When this is all over, the bureaucrats will not be charged with picking up the pieces of our way of life and fixing our economy. You and I will be. So you're dang skippy that we have a right to get answers to these questions. Experts have expertise that you and I don't have. I accept that. Okay? But that doesn't necessarily make them wiser or any less sinful. Experts are also wrong all the time because they're human too. The experts told Admiral Chester Nimitz, hey, don't listen to that one eccentric Japanese codebreaker there down the hall from your office who's telling you to risk almost the, re the, the remaining remnant of our naval fleet on trying to, on a gambit to ambush the Japs in Midway. Won't ever work. Nimitz didn't listen to them. Did it anyway. Turned the tide of the Pacific Theater in World War II. The experts told Galileo and Copernicus that they were wrong. I believe Mr. Galileo was introduced to the Inquisition, if I recall. Um, the experts told the apostles there's no such thing as a resurrection. The experts said, boy, could, could, could 56 dudes sitting in a constitutional hall defy the most powerful sovereign in the world, King George III? Plenty of experts right now think there's 57 genders. And plenty of experts right now think that amino acids just got together one day, just lonely. One day, 600 million years ago, and for no reason or purpose whatsoever, just blindly produced a single-celled protein that gave life to this thing called the universe. Plenty of experts think open borders are rad. Dope. Which is how China was able to invade our country with its JV version of Captain Trips. Do not easily hand your sovereignty over to the experts, especially without any skeptical vetting. The experts are even trying to vet each other. But apparently, Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise, he's infallible. He, he cannot be vetted. For sure, there have been experts that have done amazing things. I even cited one of them, Jonas Salk. But at a critical time such as this, I think it requires even more questions, not fewer. Folks, there's never been a single human being in the history of our species that was ever made worse because of less accountability. But our history books are full of some very sad and bloody chapters of what happens to human beings when they have a lack of it. Gentlemen, your thoughts on Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise. Well, we've said it before, but not after laying it out like that if if we're lucky if we are lucky as a people we are going to be able to look back at what is going on here with great shame because we will have learned something we will have corrected and the history books will write a story about how when american greatness lost its nerve when the cost of generations of the sort of lies on every level of reason and science that Steve just laid out 
The, the center, we've said it before. How many? The center cannot hold. We're finding out right now in real time. The wheel just came right off its axis. You, you cannot continue to lie to yourself as a people on so many fronts. And then when a time of reckoning comes, have the ability to deal with it. And this is, this is, it's the great, the great equalizer beyond party. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. It's not an expert thing. Everyone is being shown for the true colors that they've been wearing for so very, very long. And quite frankly, it, uh, in many ways, it is glorious. It is a reckoning we needed. We may be getting it in time. We may be getting it in time where we can turn things around. Pray that we are. I think the inevitable pivot, I should say, that you'll hear from from people after listening to after listening to that uh, that that uh, papal uh, questioning that we just heard is, well, tell that to the nurses and the hospital workers in New York. And yes, it is it is terrible at certain hospitals in New York, I'm sure. Why do their voices matter, but the nurses, maybe nurses, the hospital workers in North Dakota and across the country who have been laid off because of a lack of demand, because of the COVID-19 the COVID panic, why do their voices not matter? Why, why do their voices not matter? Why does my mom and my brother who have lost their jobs now, why do their voices not matter either? Why does my wife, who's worried that she might lose her job at some point in the near future, because because where she works, uh, not a whole lot of demand there, I, why do their, those voices not matter either? And yes, and yes, of course, this is a deadly disease for some people. For others, not so much. Regardless, it is a vicious disease nonetheless. It is vicious and every life saved is that is that's great. That is that is a positive thing. Absolutely. But weighing that against the societal, the familial costs of a great depression because of our actions to try to combat this, which haven't even been proven to work. Daniel Horowitz, I was blown away with this. I, I had to I had to ask you guys in the overtime yesterday. Lombardy, Italy, one of the worst place worst places for the virus. One of the worst hit Probably places. The worst place other of, than China. In the world, yeah. other than Wuhan, China. They've been on lockdown since when? February 22nd. Why? Why is it that only the side of panic, only the voices of panic? Only the voices of death and doom and despair. Why do their voices only matter? They may be right. But trying to squash and dismiss the other ones, the other voices, the other sides of this debate? Good grief. What the hell are we conserving? Not a damn thing. If that's going to be your, if that's going to be your response to questions. We're not conserving a damn thing. All we're doing is, well, we're doing a lot of things, and I don't know if anything actually helps in the, in the long run. You are entitled to get answers to these questions. And I, we, here, here at Blaze TV, we don't throw the word entitled or any of its derivatives around uh, cavalierly, all right? But, but, but you are entitled to get answers to these questions. You are the people of these United States, all right? 
You are a constitutional representative republic. You are entitled to these answers. You are not confined to complacency or compliance without evidence. And no, you're not being given evidence. You're being told someone's interpretation of evidence you have largely not seen. That's what you're being given. You are not being given the actual, you're not being given the word. You're being given Pope Fauci's spin on it. Now, his hermeneutic might be right. It might be right. But you deserve to find out. You deserve to know. Because if they're telling you it's 10 million people, that's not even counting the backlog. They probably haven't found a way to work their way through yet. We are putting ourselves at the brink of societal ruin. Anybody who thinks that we're just a pause button and it's a toggle and you hit it again and we push play and things just go right back to where they were is literally too dumb to vote, to have the right to vote. And think Stacey Abrams is governor of Georgia. That's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. What we're being asked to compromise and sacrifice is existential. Now, maybe it's worth it. But you haven't been shown any evidence that it is. You've just been told to take Pope Fauci, the preeminent and wise's word for it. You didn't vote for Pope Fauci. You don't get to vote for Pope Fauci. So start going to the people you did vote for and ask them to stand up and listen to you for a change. Well, it's it's probably my favorite website in this world that doesn't pay me. That's, I, I can't give it any higher praise than that. I, I really can't. <laughs> That's the greatest compliment I could give, maybe followed by, when I grow up, I want to be just like them. Uh, it's called the Babylon Bee by now. The vast majority of you uh, watching and listening to us today here on Blaze TV radio and podcast are quite familiar with it. And if you're not, you are missing out. Uh, because it is some of the most brilliant social commentary happening anywhere uh, within the dark bowels of Al Gore's invention as we speak. Kyle Mann is with the Babylon Bee, and he joins us here today on the Steve Day Show. And uh, Kyle, my name is Steve Day. Good to have you with us, brother. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me. So before we get to what you guys think about what's going on right now, we had you guys on like right when you guys were beginning to go viral. That, that was a couple of years ago now. I mean, you guys are big time now, right? I mean, I mean, you guys are literally CNN's Lex Luthor right now. Okay, so <laughs> where did you guys come from? Uh, give us your origin story. Yeah, well, I wish it was more exciting than it is. But, you know, we, uh, we kind of saw a void in the uh, internet space for comedy that was from a Christian perspective. And uh, not necessarily restricted to things like church jokes and worship leader jokes and all that stuff. We were, we've always been writing political satire and current event satire, 
Um, but it was always from a biblical perspective, uh, from a Christian perspective. And it was comedy that didn't hate conservatives and didn't hate Christians, which was kind of unique at the time. Uh, and it just took off in a big way because it started uh, spreading beyond the Christian circles. Because I think like conservatives realized, hey, you know, these guys are writing comedy and, you know, they don't absolutely hate us. And so, <laughs> so it kind of took off in that way. And so for the past uh, four years now, we've been doing it. Uh, I joined on right away as soon as the site launched, and, and I took over as editor-in-chief uh, just two years ago. I mean, we've got one of your recent headlines up on the screen right now. Man, glad to know that jo- glad to know job that fed his family, paid his rent, is, quote, non-essential. I mean, that is just brilliant uh, in, in its pithiness. And and one of the main things I've always liked about you guys is there's no sacred cows. I I like to think I don't have sacred cows, but even even now and then I've got, man, I know that guy. I, 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 or I know somebody that knows that person. And yeah, I know they're being an idiot now, but man, do I want the blowback for going there? I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that's got the stones. To, pillaring Joel Osteen is, is to me low-lying fruit. <laughs> but but doing it while you're pillaring John MacArthur at the same time, I don't know anybody who's got the stones uh, to to do something like that. So props to you guys for it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's important. You know, you've got to you have to hit your own side as well as the other side. Um, you don't necessarily need to be need to have a hundred percent balance all the time, but I do think you you need to show that you're able to make fun of your own for the satire to really work. See, this is why I think entities like CNN and Snopes. And, 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 and these fake fact-checking sites. Um, this is why I believe they're so threatened by you guys. And I've said this to our audience before, Kyle, and now that you're here, I want to get your take on it. When this has come up in the past, I've told our audience that, that I think the reason they're threatened by you guys is because of what we just talked about. That if you guys were just as every bit as, as snarky and, and pithily brilliant and funny, but you were partisan hacks... They'd just ignore you. They wouldn't let you through the Overton window. They'd pretend you weren't there. And, and it would only be sites like ours and the Federalist and the Daily Wire and places like that that, you know, would you guys could ha- would have crossover appeal. Okay. But it is the fact that you you take no, you're like the Klingons. You take no prisoners. All right. And I mean, there you accept nothing but unconditional surrender from every side if you if you guys believe that they are either full of you know what or in violation of the obvious tenets of, of a biblical worldview. I think that is what makes you dangerous, is that level of objectivity. I think that's why you're a threat, because you're not a bunch of partisan hacks. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like that. It may be a little more com- uh, complex than that, because I think that's what gives the satire authenticity, right? Is that we commit to the jokes. Um, we are committed to doing it uh, on all sides. And so we, we have legitimacy within our fan base. And so because of that, you know, they're willing to share a Babylon B article, retweet a Babylon B article, and they go so widespread because of that, um, you know, and so to, to Snopes and CNN and fact checkers, it looks like a legitimate, you know, threat to their dominance of comedy and their dominance of the narrative. And that's because, yeah, it's not just a, a meme site that, that posts a bunch of partisan memes attacking one side or the other. It's something that has a loyal fan base and, and that's definitely, you know, threatening them. Kyle Mann from the Babylon Bee is here with us uh, on the Steve Day Show on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. So I, so along the lines of you guys having no sacred cows, 
Have you had any conversations amongst your amongst yourselves about, hey, do we need to be um, a, a, a little bit more PG um, given what, uh, and, and not, and when I say that, I should note, it's not in the, in the, uh, the, the manner, the, the manner in which things are communicated, but the topics in which you're willing to tackle, do, do we need to be a little bit more Disney here given the, um, the pandemic that is occurring and maybe people won't have quite the same perspective and sense of humor, uh, that they would, uh, to see through, uh, complete and total, uh, horseplay or, have you taken the approach that we've taken on our show, which is now actually more than ever, uh, we need to be just going around uh, calling uh, BS when it's obvious. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't back down when there's a tough topic. You, you have to be more sensitive. Like you have to understand that, um, you know, when 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 people are dying, there's a certain tone you have to take with your satire. Like your tone is going to be different. You're not going to do all crazy silly stuff that um that might we, that we might do on a normal day we may have to be more uh straight faced we may have to be drier we have to take a serious tone and let people know that we're yeah we're taking this seriously but at the same time it's you know we need to laugh during this time absolutely and we need to we need to call out people who are taking advantage of this it's just that in in jokes you have to be really clear like who the target is you know, so if we're going to make fun of the media um, for just absolutely, you know, being morons during this time, then we're going to do that. But we do have to be clear, like we're not making fun of people who are dying. We're making fun of uh, responses uh, to that. So it, it's how you craft a joke. It's how you write it. It's how you tell it that makes it clear. And I think most people get what we're trying to do uh, during times like this. Are you struggling, though? Are you struggling to come up with content? And, and and before you say that's nonsense, right as you were talking in my Twitter feed, right? I mean, we opened up the show pointing out that there's a there's a, that that many in the media are incensed that states like where we live, Iowa, and and North Dakota have not declared themselves de facto police states. Yet you can still ride the subway in New York City. I mean, that, that would seem like a Babylon B headline. It's true. It's it's actually true. I'm watching right now Frank Luntz and Britt Hume. Of Fox News, go back and forth in my Twitter feed. Have you, are you watch? Have you seen this, Todd? Yo, yes, yeah, yes. They're I going have. back and forth in my Twitter feed right now, questioning one another's credibility. Now, yesterday, Frank Luntz was citing China, the U.S., as having more Wuhan virus cases than China, accepting. And I, by the way, I've stayed at Frank Luntz's house. I like Frank. This is just horseplay. He's question. He's citing China. He's agreeing with China's stats that. Um, they that of, of of what their actual infection rate is, their death rate is. So he's he's quoting China's stats at face value yesterday, and then calling out Brit Hume because you know he's really radical. Calling out Brit Hume on uh, his colleague for citing a Twitter feed that thinks the virus was was created in a Chinese lab. But even though that what the feed is doing is is actually just showing the the the, the photographic documentation of, of of New York hospitalizations, not even like making opinions, like pictures, pictures of like the actual press releases. I mean, when if this is what is going on for real, Kyle, where do you guys mine for parody content when when truth has become even stranger than fiction? <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's a blessing and a curse that's that's how it's always been with comedy and especially in the modern 
age because, I mean, even before the coronavirus, we were dealing with, you know, we were trying to cover the Democratic primaries. And if you do want to talk about something that's hard to parody, <laughs> you know, that that was ridiculous. And so uh, it's always trying to take things one notch further. And of course, you know, real events often make that hard. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's part of the it's just part of our job. And it's something that that's it's a lot of fun. You know, when you do manage to hit that thing that's right on the line of what could be true but often you know reality ends up overtaking us like the next day or whatever can you think of a headline you guys have come up with and then like in a few days weeks or months it actually happened for real and you looked at each other like what you talking about willis can you think of a time like that oh yeah yeah it happens all the time um when just just last week we did a, a an article that you know pants sales we're way down because everybody's telecommuting. And then the next day, Walmart announced that their pants sales are way down. So <laughs> it happens often. Uh, I think during the impeachment, you know, Trump said uh, we, we had an article saying Trump comes out in favor of impeachment, causing Democrats to uh, to uh, oppose impeachment. <laughs> and uh, and then that basically ended up happening where he said, go ahead, impeach me. And, uh, and, and, you know, all the Democrats freaked out over it. So yeah, that's always something fun. What's the next evolution for you guys? Or do you, have you found your sweet spot, which is just sitting around here with, uh, with a keyboard and open Bible and, uh, just calling, uh, uh, just calling Barbara Streisand on people. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you always have to be evolving. Um, so with us, it's, you know, we, we've launched a podcast recently and that's been fun because it's kind of a different direction for a satire site. We do, we kind of read a lot of our headlines and then comment on them. It's a little more behind the scenes. And so that's been fun for our fans. Um, we've also uh, started doing video. We haven't really uh, jumped in both feet, but we're, we are working on doing a lot more uh, you know, video satire and that kind of stuff. So I, I think you've, you've got constantly got to be growing and predicting what the next uh, big jump is. Well, Kyle, you guys have mastered something that, that that I've tried to get Christians and conservatives to understand for years, whether I've been working with them in my personal life on political campaigns or media messaging or here publicly on, on the, on the airwaves is that if it's funny, people allow you to be vicious right like if if you make people laugh and this is something that uh, that that pagans and leftists have learned a long time ago uh which is the funnier it is the more vicious you can be and and you know we have this tendency we want to be you know we want to be augustine daniel webster we want to give these like great oratories you know write these phenomenal polemics that just you know uh that we we want to we all want to channel our inner william f buckley except remember he was often very funny and if it's, if it is funny, you get permission to go places with people that, that just, if you gave them a straight up dissertation, they would never give you the time of day. And I think, I think you guys have, have absolutely mastered that. Well, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, uh, GK Chesterton said something once like, uh, humor can get under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle, mm -hmm. you know, and that's something where you get, uh, you, you can read a thousand straight news pieces and never really get the point or never really cut through the noise, but humor really has a way of cutting to it. It's the, it, it that kind of channels an old Irish Catholic, uh, uh, axiom that, uh, that what the devil hates the most is to be mocked. 
and you guys do <laughs> yeah. that mercilessly and may your house increase brother thank you for joining us here today on blaze tv radio and podcast yeah thanks for having me you bet that's kyle mann from the babylon b reaction to what we just uh, discussed with uh, with kyle i just love it it all it all is so obvious like there's every headline and you just bust out laughing and that's why it's funny to you because it is so obvious mm -hmm. but that in when life is coming at you and you're drinking out of the fire hose you know you're you're, you're right Ex exactly you're trying to connect way too many dots to make a point that be can be connected with pretty much one plus one equals two it's the simplicity that is the genius and these guys have organized their life where they can hear that and that's a gift and thank god for it agreed and um along the lines of of uh, of what we just talked about we are living in and it, it should be obvious should be obvious anytime you're on social media the the typical tactic if i disagree with you and we talked about this before is just demagoguery 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 what that is a what that is a, a hallmark of one is of course progressivism but two even more deep than that is an inability or an unwillingness to argue at a at a rational level mm -hmm. And so what becomes the greatest tool of debate, and for those of you listening, I just used air quotes over debate, the greatest tool of debate is actually being able to get your point across in a very cutting, a very cutting and humorous way. So it's hard to argue. It's very hard to argue when people are laughing and pointing fingers at your argument. It's very hard to argue with that because as soon as they start laughing, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. You've already lost the debate. So in a culture and even on both left and right now, there's very little appetite, it seems, for real debate. The best way to actually make your points is is uh, a lot of times, as long as you actually have the rational facts and figures and 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 things of that nature to back up your argument, the best way to actually debate is by using these sort of of tactics because that's the world in which we live. Is that's not a perfect world, and and you still have to have the the you know the figures and the facts and like I said, you have to have ways to back up your argument. But the actual art of communicating them that is what's changed, and humor is the most effective way to do that. Yes. I mean, the only way, the only way to respond, I think, well, the only effective way, particularly in today's quick draw manner of communicating with social media and, and texts and everything else. I mean, there is no logical breakdown of why Frank Luntz of Fox News is criticizing Brit Hume of Fox News for using um, information that his own channel, the previous evening, Tucker Carlson, uh, connected the dots to of, of the origin of the questionable origin of the Wuhan Chinese coronavirus. So this aired on their channel two nights ago. The, the, the next day, Frank Luntz is out there still quoting stats from communist China at face value. And then another figure, uh, then he criticizes another figure of Fox News for quoting actual data because it was tweeted by a guy who thinks China is responsible for the virus. How do you possibly logically justify that you don't and don't even try you mercilessly mock it because that's the scorn that level of dumbassery deserves
Greetings, back at it with hour number two here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin, they're here with me as well. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample or share, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. If you listen to podcasts of this show, Thank you very much. A uh, couple of things for you. Number one, please consider leaving us a five-star review because those, uh, the more of those we get, it helps the show to grow all the more. And we want to thank all of you that have left those for us already. But secondly, did you know right now is the absolute best time ever? cheapest time ever too to ever subscribe to blaze tv so it's not just that we have a platform here uh with a, a little bit of of significance that gives us an opportunity to push back on some of these narratives that are threatening our way of life at the moment all right so it's it's great to even have that platform and we've got some fantastic people here uh and then there's us at blaze tv taking advantage of it however they've made it cheaper than ever for you now as well thirty dollars off an annual subscription thirty dollars off an annual subscription so that means it's about five dollars and change a month uh when you prorate it out i i gotta believe this show alone at least i hope it is if we're not worth five dollars and 86 i think it's five dollars and 86 cents if we're not worth $5.86 a month to you, I'm, I might consider self-harm. And that's not an attempt to guilt you, but if it worked, okay. But seriously, don't you think we're worth $5.86 a month? I think so. You're getting paid a little bit more than that, aren't you? A little bit, yeah. Aaron, aren't you getting paid a little bit more than that at least? Uh, just a wee tish. I mean, you, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm letting Aaron put an extra coal in the stove when he comes in because I'm acknowledging that he's got another, he's got a wife now, so yeah. I want him to be a little bit healthier. Appreciate that. So you're making at least $5.86 a month right now, aren't you? Yes, yes. All right, so you got an extra mouth to feed, even though she's a nurse and probably making more money than you, but um, that's not important now. What is important is we've got to be worth at least $5.86 a month. I have to believe that. I have to. I, I cannot continue on. Yeah. If we are not worth five dollars and eighty six cents a month, How I tell much? you, I tell you, take the cans and bottles back. But right now, you can't. <laughs> what are we going to say, Aaron? How much for one show? Yes, thank you, Mister Rock. We got to be worth one rib, right? We got to be worth five dollars and eighty six cent, please. All right, so go to blazetv.com right now. Use the promo code Steve. Blazetv.com, promo code Steve, and you can get everything that everybody does here at Blaze TV for $30 off, which is about $5.86 a month at blazetv.com slash Steve. Let's get to Theology Thursday, brought to you by our friends over at Genesis 950. If you are thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you might be thinking twice about going in all in on getting the new carpeting. I don't even know if, if you can get even laid in your home now. Will they come in and do it? I mean, we had we got the uh, we switched to MediaCom cable for our internet. Yeah, you're very happy. I just no, actually, I hate myself more. I hate myself. Don't more. you though? I do. I had the same reaction I, I am, when I, I switched to MediaCom. I'm now wondering why did I make a year's worth of phone calls to CenturyLink? No. Why did I do that? I want to go back and I want I want to grab myself like 16 months ago and punch me. That that's what I want to do right now. It's not hyperbolic. It's really not. When it's like you a whole waste, new world. It's like the internet came to our that home. Time, yes. Your time is valuable. This is like when you first got Wi-Fi and you didn't. Your, 
This is that's that's literally a difference between media comments centrally. I, I, my mind is blown. All right. But I had to certify to them to have the installer come in. I because I went way overboard because you typically do that when you're upset. So I like went way overboard. We got like three zones. In fact, the guy his guy said, I'm, I can't actually fulfill your order. You ordered too much. Your home doesn't need this. <laughs> he told us that yesterday. It's a true story. Do they, dude, does it, has a cable company ever done that in the history of man? You really don't need this much. You ever told you, you ever heard that ever in your life? No, no, no. We heard it yesterday. That's how overboard I went. All right. But I'm going to get to Genesis 9:50 in a minute. I promise. But um, uh, I had to verify that the that there was nobody in our house that had a temp. Nobody was sick. Nobody had any symptoms for the last 14 days. And I, I think that's fine. I understand the situation we're in. You know. Um, but so I don't know how that applies to even getting new carpet in your home, because that's a lot longer job than you know, rewiring the Wi-Fi in your home, right? Um, so with that in mind. New carpeting might not even be on the docket for you right now, but yet you've still got, with the windows getting open, you can't get rid of those pet stains and odors. Give Genesis 950 a try. It's antibacterial component. Removes pet stains and odors from carpet and padding. It can be even used in your carpet cleaning machines as well. In fact, you can use it to clean the whole house, but where it really shines is with those pet stains and odors that get down into the padding in your carpet, and it's green, safe for your kids and pets as well. If you want to give it a shot, go to Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com and use the promo code BLAZE to get a discount. Promo code BLAZE to get a discount at Genesis950.com. Let's get to Theology Thursday, and we are winding down the series that we started at the beginning of this year. Uh, my wife and I taking a New Testament, well, we were until that got canceled too, uh, taking a New Testament uh, course at our church. That's kind of a freshman level, entry level seminary uh, course on the New Testament. And with each week's readings, we have to select something to answer an essay question about. And this week, um, it was about 2 Timothy. And I decided to select any one person event or idea from these pastoral epistles, because it's first and second Timothy together, and describe how God used that person, event, or idea to speak to you. And what lessons did you learn? How will you begin modeling these truths in your own life? And so with each week, I've been sharing the answer to the essay question with you here in the audience and let you kind of walk through the New Testament with me for Theology Thursday. And for this week, I selected one of my favorite scripture passages. My all-time favorite is in Romans 8. Really just the whole chapter of Romans 8. Probably my second favorite one um, comes from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7. And Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, Paul is speaking these words, and they're, they're the final words in his second epistle to Timothy, who is essentially his spiritual son. He has groomed him, mentored him, he even circumcised him. Pretty intimate relationship these two have from a, from a father-son perspective. And he has discipled Timothy in a pastoral sense, the way that a father would prepare his birth son to be his rightful heir. These are thoughts that, that Paul is having towards the end of his life. And he's thinking back now, he's looking at it in terms of legacy and completion. I think one of the things that is frightening many Americans right now about this virus 
And I, I, I always offer this disclaimer. I do not question the viciousness of this virus. I do question the existential panic it has caused. And I think it has caused this existential panic because a lot of Americans have been talking a good game about being ready to be judged, being ready to cash in their legacy and see how it rates. Or have, have lied to themselves and convinced themselves sociopathically they'll never have to do this. They're invincible, invulnerable. They just exist between experiences. And now faced on a, on a, on a global scale with their, with their mortality are freaking out because they've been lying to themselves because they enjoyed the lie. Paul here is writing this while he's in prison in Rome, likely wrote this shortly before he was martyred. These are, these are likely some of the last words St. Paul ever wrote. Is what's at the end of 2 Timothy. And he was about to be martyred by the infamous Roman Emperor Nero, which goes again to those of you that are throwing around to me, um, listen and do whatever the government says, comply with every demand. Paul wrote that in Romans 13. If that is what Paul meant by what he wrote in Romans 13, then why was he martyred by Nero? If he was willing to do whatever Nero said, then why was he martyred? Answer, because he wasn't willing to do whatever Nero said. And because the words of Romans 13 do not mean follow government no matter what or whenever you can. That's not what they mean. Since government, government's power comes from God, you obey government as you're obeying God. But when government decides it is God and has power that does not belong to it, you are to still obey God and not man. And that's what Paul did. And that's why he was martyred by Nero. Paul's days were getting shorter in confinement as Nero was descending into madness, literal madness, like literal howl at the moon madness. Uh, persecution of the church was plentiful in these last days of Nero. I have personally relied on this passage many times over the years. I have quoted it numerous times publicly, privately, both in, in talks I've given or in um, at times that I've been discipled privately or I've discipled other men, I've utilized it because I, I think they speak to the end game. And for men in particular, I think this is important. I think it is, is, it's essentially important for men to always have an end game in mind, given how task oriented we tend to be. As men, we tend to break life down and its various situations and challenges into the following criteria. You've probably heard me sum it up this way before. What is the game? What are the rules? Who's keeping score? And how do I win? Right? You've probably heard me say that a million times, Todd, over yes. the years. Right? But that's essentially how men see every situation. From What do you mean by men? When does this start? Well, you know that really cute age, like their one-year birthday, when you hand us that piece of birthday cake for the first time and you think we can at least gnaw on some of it, right? It's safe, right? About then. That's, that's about when it starts, okay? Um, and then when does it end? Well, when you put us in the ground, all right? So pretty much from that day until the day you put us in the ground, all men, 
of sound mind and body of any language, custom, religion, worldview, belief system. We all tend to size everything in life up by what is the game, what are the rules, who's keeping score, and how do I win? That's how the male mind works. And oh, by the way, most of the time when you're asking us, what are you thinking? And we say nothing. It really is nothing. Or you probably don't want to know what we're thinking about. Like, I'm sure right now, there are moments that Bella is wondering, what is he thinking? And you know what Aaron's thinking? I don't know. How, how are we going to fit Pat Mahomes' contract into the, in, into the salary cap? We literally have $177 of cap space. Yes, that, that's, that's literally probably what he's thinking. Even, even with a pandemic going on, it's probably what he's thinking. Am I wrong? No. No, that's, that's just how we operate as dudes. Okay? So with that end game, without that end game in mind, here's what happens to guys when they don't have an end game in mind. We get sloppy because endgame is where we need accountability. This brings us full circle to where we're at now, right now with Pope Fauci. I'm not saying that I am the one to question whether or not he is infallible. I'm asking if anybody, if anybody has, has the credibility and credentials to question, question him. I wouldn't presume to debate him. I'm asking if anybody gets to. That's a different question. Where's the accountability? All work. Even Jack Torrance in his crazed state understood that all work and no play made Jack a dull boy, meaning no accountability, without any accountability, just on and on and on. What is, what's the old axiom? Absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Where's the accountability come from? But this is why your founders have your elected officials swear an oath to God when they take office. That, that it's an attempt to give them in. It's not meant to be a photo op and a trite moment where you stand up there with your adoring spouse and children and you frame it. It's meant to put dread in you. Reverential fear of the one who cannot just destroy the body, but destroy the body and cast the soul into hell. That's what it's meant to be. That, that you have sworn to be held accountable by him alone and ultimately for how you will govern his creation. That's what it's meant to do. Now, when we don't have an end game in mind, you know, when we reelect incumbents 91% of the time every year, regardless of what's going on in the country, stuff like that. When you don't have that, we get sloppy, we get distracted, um, we are more easily temptable. Men in particular, human, all humans do, but men in particular need a mission. And they need to know the mission's objective and what victory looks like. Let me bring you into my own psyche. What I just articulated to you, now I wrote these words for this essay question like three weeks ago. Before most of this really, this was from the last class that we had before everything got shut down. Not knowing if this is going to go on two weeks, a week, five days, indefinitely. No idea when I wrote this. But if you really want to know what is driving me to do the show that you have watched and listened to these last couple of weeks, one is, I believe, a calling. It's why I'm on this earth to do things like this. It, it certainly isn't to dunk a basketball. 
It certainly isn't to split an atom. And it certainly isn't to remove your gallbladder or um, change the oil in my car. It's not for any of those things. I was put on earth to do the kinds of things I'm doing right now. That's why I'm here. That's my purpose. And you have yours. So that, one of the reasons that's driven me is providence. The other is, is a basic instinct. I am, I am, I, I started off being concerned and now it has devolved into frustration and just open now, I'm not buying it. Why? Because we don't know the mission's objective or what victory looks like. I mean, Fauci's saying this morning, I guess we can open the country up when there aren't any more positive tests or deaths. So never? You know, polio still exists in the world, by the way. Did you know that? Hey, here's a quick question for you. How many viruses has the human species ever totally vanquished? Do you know the answer to that? I don't. Can you guess? Low number. It's a really low one. It's the lowest one, actually, before you put a minus in front of it. Um, that's not a realistic goal. I'm sorry, it, it's just not. Even if you develop a vaccine, do you know why you'll have to keep injecting people with it for years and years and years and years and years? Why would you have to keep injecting people with it for years and years and years and years? Because you didn't get rid of the back. You didn't get rid of the virus. You didn't conquer it. You just found a way to stop it from hurting people. That's not a realistic goal. I'm sorry. Would bringing Western democracy to the virus be a realistic vo- goal? <laughs> That's a guy who just listened to the founder of the Babylon Bee. You know what? We went from President Fauci to Pope Fauci. Next week, we're going to name this virus Afghanistan at this current level of frustration. (laughs) All right? But why are we frustrated? Why is this show hosted by three guys frustrated? You know why? What is the mission's objective? Well, for this not to hurt anybody else ever again, have we ever stopped anything from doing that? I I mean, airlines are the safest way to travel. You still take your, you put your life in someone's hands every time you jump on a plane. So we don't understand or doubt the mission's objective which means we now don't know what victory looks like because it looks unattainable, right? Yes. It it looks unachievable. Victory looks unachievable. No eyes to see. Yes. We didn't exactly get a fireside chat last uh, on Monday from the White House, man. Oh, it's the plague. Yeah, we got got, uh, a, a bubonic plague alert. Something like 200 million people were killed in the Black Death for deck over the course of a century. And now it's just going to be 200,000. So the good news is progress. (laughs) That's why we're frustrated. Because we're guys. I told you day one on this show, hey, if it's this bad, lock everything down. Didn't I say that day one? Yes. Day one, if it's this bad, lock everything down. Let's just just deal with it right now. But I I didn't understand why I could still go to the movies if this was the Black Plague. And now I don't understand why I can't go to the movies, but I can ride the subway in the city where the Black Plague is, we're being told, 
omnipresent. Does that make any sense now either? Nope. You know why it doesn't make any sense? Because it doesn't. Because it doesn't make any sense. And this is why we're frustrated. We're dudes, man. We will fight this. Even you were over there saying, hey, man, let's dec- let's treat this like de- Pearl Harbor. You were saying that a couple of weeks ago, right? Let's do this. We really just need to, to, to Netflix and chill, if you don't mind. Oh. Okay. So we're frustrated. What, 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 what's the mission objective? Well, is that objective achievable? And then if it's, we don't think it's achievable, then we don't know what victory looks like. So here in this, in this scripture, Paul lays out his own personal testimony. How those questions are to be answered within a biblical worldview. And I think in this case, specifically for men, what victory looks like. Just as Paul is able to boldly and honestly proclaim to his spiritual son, Timothy, um, will we as men be able to do the same with our own birth children when we come to the end of our own days? Will our kids and or those that we impacted and or saw us up close and personal be able to say that about us at our funeral? I mean, I hope I've said this before. I hope my kids can put these words on my tombstone. That's what I want to say. These words. If my kids who, who saw me when I wasn't perfect, which is a lot, who saw the old man when he had his issues like everyone else does, who saw the old man with his pants down literally and figuratively. And then in spite of all of that, if my kids see enough faithfulness that they saw the old man rise back up again whenever he fell, that they will put these words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. If my kids will put those words on my tombstone at the end, then I am confident that the next words I'm going to hear when I awake in eternity are well done, good and faithful servant. And I think all of us need to live with legacy in mind, uniquely so for men. And we had no idea how we were going to rebuild our naval armada on December 8th, 1941. We just knew that we had to. There wasn't an option. You like America? You like burgers and fries? You like going to the ball game? You like take me out to the ball game? You like that? Cool. Then we're, we just have to do this. We just have to. We just have to have a Manhattan Project. We, gotta, we have to build this weapon of mass destruction before somebody like Hitler, a fiend like Hitler, gets its hands on it. We didn't know how we were going to get there. We didn't know. We just had to do it. Had to. We had to get to the moon before the Soviets did. Didn't know how we were going to do it. Weren't really sure. Just didn't have a choice. We could not allow the evil empire a celestial base by which they could essentially just play a kid with an anthill against the United States of America and the free world. We couldn't do that. Just sit up there with a magnifying glass picking us off. Couldn't do it. So... Not an option. Failure, not an option. We just have to do this. What you're being told right now with this virus is failure is an option. That's what you're being told. And that we still might kill a quarter of a million people, even if 
we ruin ourselves. Even if we ruin ourselves, we might kill a quarter of a million people. And you can't hold accountable the country that did this to you. You can't question the data that they send you. You're being told right now, defeat is an option. That's not American exceptionalism. Previous generations had to, had, to, had, to, had to be concerned with choking on their own jingoism. Doing reckless acts like, and, and creating mass panics like what happened with the USS Maine, for example. That's what previous generations in this country, they were, they were too prone to go the other way. And just believe in like the unique, just invulnerability of America. Like we really, we're not just a metaphorical shining city on a hill. We're like the new Israel. Previous generations wrestled with that. You know, we wrestle with self-loathing. We hate America. We hate ourselves. We wrestle with, we, we have so little balls, we now subsidize cutting off the balls of our children and call it science. And then ban you from Twitter if you say that's barbaric. That's the real toxic masculinity. You bet it is. You bet it is. That's the real contagion right there. Where is the Donald Trump who believes he's invulnerable and invincible and cannot be touched? We could use him right now, don't you think? A little bit. We could could use a little. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We can use a little bit of, I told all these smart guys up here, they're smarter than me. I don't know how they're going to do it. I just know that they are. And they're all fired if they don't. And so am I. I th- wouldn't you like to hear those words? Oh, yes. I'd like to hear that. Instead, instead, you're getting Mike Pence's reaction on religious freedom when he got pushed back and he just surrendered. And we just do the best we can do. No, we don't. Everyone in this world would be, would be either on their knees to Hirohito or the successor to Der Fuhrer if it were not for this country. And millions and millions more would have a sword at their throat forced to bow to Mecca if it weren't for this country. We don't just have to accept it. This isn't France. Maybe it is. Maybe we don't have any balls anymore. Maybe we don't. Maybe all we want to do... Can you leave me alone? I'm baiting. Maybe that's all we want to do. Go to Carl's Jr. to find out if we're a good parent. Get our law degrees from Costco. And just sit around and watch... Ow, my balls on Netflix. Just now it's called, what's it called? Tiger King? Yes. Yeah. Maybe that is who we are now. Maybe it is. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. You're going to be that without me and this show. From my cold, dead ego, will you have to pry that level of surrender monkey from me? Not happening. 
and you can ban me from every social media platform. I will go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the stand with a placard. Bring out your dead. No is my answer to that. Nope. No. No. Because when I, I the last time I went through a graveyard, I didn't see anybody's tombstone say Mangina on it. Nobody said that. Surrendered well. Any see any tombstones ever said that? No. Gave up first. Gave up first. Aaron, you ever seen that on a tombstone? He gave up first. Not yet. I've never seen that. Never seen that. Not going to see it on mine. You know what you're going to see on mine? He fought the good fight. He finished the race. And he kept the faith. That's what you're going to see on mine. I hope. I'm going to die trying. I think too many of us believe failing here is an option. And it's not. You want to know when you fail? When you think failing is an option. This is the country of do or do not. There is no try. You want to, you want to f- surrender, quit? Plenty of other places in this world you can live. Maybe now you can live here doing that. We're about to find out. All that free time right now, and man, you got the munchies. You're grazing like crazy. I know it. Trying to keep your mind off of it. That's where Riduzone comes in. It's the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule in your body that regulates how much you think you need to eat uh, and and how often you need to eat it. Uh, it. It helps you feel full faster, burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake to keep those. Uh, cravings and portion sizes under control. I would imagine right now that that things like uh, it, companies promoting intermittent fasting are probably making some huge bank right about now. Because <laughs> people are trying to figure out how do I avoid not going from little Debbie to morbidly obese Debbie here by the time the, vi- the Afghanistan yeah. virus That's burns out. Little Debbie to big Deborah. Yes. All right. So if you are, if this is your malaise at the moment, uh, go to riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code, and you can get up to 65% off as well as free shipping at riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com. Promo code Steve, up to 65% off as well as free shipping. And let's get to Aaron with three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, three non-COVID-19 Wuhan coronavirus questions. And non-political as well. One is is very, 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 very tangentially related. Okay. But uh, the rest of them are just free from the virus, which is which is like uh, that's that's kind of cool because that's that's about ninety nine percent of what anybody is talking about right now. Without further ado, this was trending last week when I originally wrote this question: Who is on your Mount Rushmore of NFL wide receivers? Well, one is obvious. I could argue he's the greatest player 
in the history of the NFL. I, I absolutely think Jerry Rice is in that conversation. He revolutionized the league. Um, he took a position that, except for you know a Don Hudson in the in the in, in you know in a in a bygone era playing for your Packers, you know like pre you know was that pre World War II? Okay. Oh, way before. Uh, yeah. Like Curly Lambeau era, right? Um, and then you know uh, Belitnikov with the stickum. I mean, he took a position that was not a premier position with a few exceptions in the NFL. Uh, and you go to, you know, the era of, um, you had, you had some exceptions, you know, you had Stallworth and Swan with the Steelers, but you know, the sixties, seventies and, and well into the eighties and the NFL was dominated offensively by the dominant running back. Um, the Jim Brown, the Eric Dickerson, uh, the OJ Simpson uh, before he became a murderer. Uh, I mean that, you know, the, the dolphins went undefeated with essentially the NFL version of almost a wishbone backfield. Jim kick, Larry Zakia, Larry Zaka, Mercury Morris. I mean, that, that was the league. Uh, games were won. I mean, they were, they were wars of attrition. I mean, there were marginal lines at the line of scrimmage and who could stop the other team and pound them at the, on the other end. Um, that was becoming modernized, you know, with, uh, with the influence of guys like Bill Walsh and Lavelle Edwards at BYU, whose passing game influenced guys like Bill Walsh. But, um, Jerry Rice put a, uh, he he made wide receiver a premium position. He reinvented the position. I, I I at least think in my lifetime the two greatest players in NFL history are him and Lawrence Taylor because they reinvented their positions. They they changed the way that pro football was played. So to, uh, Jerry Rice is a is is, is a no brainer. Like you are you 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 are sentenced to involuntary gender reassignment surgery. If he's not on your Mount Rushmore of wide receivers, that's how obvious and self-evident this is. After that, I think there's a there's a massive debate. After that, um, when I think of guys who were, well, first of all, are we going to stipulate the same on a, on on Jerry Rice? Are we going to stipulate to that? Of course. Yeah. Okay. And this is your Mount Rushmore, okay. so there can be a lot of subjectivity. Yeah, there just can't be on Jerry Rice. But from there, you're permitted it. Yes, I put Randy Moss on there. Mm-hmm. Um, his career kind of burnt out prematurely. He got old fast. Um, and so his overall all-time career numbers are not going to be like where Wes Chandler or somebody like that is at. But when you talk about forces of nature for f- five to seven years, I, I mean, he was he was not of this earth. And so I, I would put him on that Mount Rushmore. Um, I'm trying to think if there's... You got to put Calvin Johnson on there. You think Calvin Johnson? See, he I watched so every game. Dominant that, I watched every game that, that he played. On him. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm okay if you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he was a great player. I just, you know, I don't know how many games we won because of him. I guess you could say we would have lost even more, but that's that that's you know that's the Pope Fauci uh, perspective. Well, he didn't win that much. He just would have lost more if he wouldn't have done it this way. I mean, I just, yeah, you know, okay. Um, I'm going to go with, um, this is actually a tougher question than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's why I pulled up the Hall of Fame list. You want me to read them off? Can can we put, let's put, you know what? You get, a, you get an award named after you and they literally have to change the rules because of you and ban a product. 
and you did this while playing in the greatest helmet in the history of the NFL and while putting down two packs of lung darts while the defense was out on the field. I got to put Belenikoff on the list. All right. Dude is burning heaters, causing the rules to get changed. And he's like this. He, he, Steve Largent, Steve Largent looks like um, an Olympic sprinter next to Fred Belitnikoff. All right. So I'm going to put Belitnikoff on the list. So that's three. Give me some other names I can think of. I'll just go. There's not that. There's 29 if this is up to date. Allworth, Raymond Barry, Belitnikoff, Tim Brown, Isaac Bruce, Harold Carmichael, Chris Carter, Tom Fears, uh, Marvin Harrison, Bob Hayes, Elroy Hirsch. Former Badger Athletic Director, Elroy yeah, Crazy Hirsch. Lake Hirsch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Irvin, Charlie Joyner. Oh, man, Charlie Joyner. Uh, Steve Largent, Dante Lavelli, James Lofton, Don Maynard, Tommy McDonald, Bobby Mitchell, Art Monk, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Pete Pihos, and Andre Reed, Jerry Rice, John Stallworth, Lynn Swan, Charlie Taylor, Paul Warfield. There's a lot of good names on that list. You said one that, uh, go back a few. You said one that um, got my attention. Oh, Art Monk. I'm going to put him on the list. I mean, the most consecutive games uh, catch streak, I believe, uh, just lasted forever. And I mean, he, I, just one of the most reliable players in NFL history. I mean, just caught everything, played forever. Um, just at, Just no weakness in his game. At rock solid. So I'm going to go Art Monk, Randy Moss, Fred Belenikoff, and uh, Jerry Rice. I'm going to go with those four. Don? I'm going to go uh, with Rice, Moss. You heard how I uh, reacted to uh, Charlie Joyner. Uh, my earliest football memories for some reason. I mean, Charlie Joyner, those helmets, Dan Fouts, that offense. Sure. So I'll go Charlie Jerry. See, that's why I, that's another reason I got mm-hmm. Monk is is he just I watched him just destroy my Lions all my childhood. So I'm similarly scarred I, from that experience. I remember appointment viewing as a young kid being Charlie Joyner, John Jefferson, he, and then he came to the Packers, and yep. then Kellen Winslow and what they were going to do. I mean, it was just that yeah. different. Yeah. And then James Lofton's on here, fond memories, but I'm actually, he's not, I'm going to pick Sterling Sharp because the greatness of Sterling, he also left way early because of injury. Yeah. His genius is largely responsible for why Brett Favre became great Agreed. so fast. He was, in. It, 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 you were talking about Jerry Rice and the next vo- name you said for like five years was Sterling Sharp as the Agreed. greatest in the league. I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I think he ought to be, and if he had won a Super Bowl, I think he'd be given the Terrell Davis exception, mm-hmm. which or exemption where Terrell Davis injuries sure. cut his career short. He had the 2,000 yard season. He won a couple of Super Bowls. So people are willing to look at that limited window of greatness and honor that. I think if they had won their Super Bowl when he was still playing, I think he'd be in the Hall of Fame and given the Terrell Davis kind of uh, yeah. limited uh, exposure exemption. Yeah. So the first two are, I think, the same for me and Todd uh, Jerry Rice, Randy uh, Moss. And then I could actually argue that one one receiver has changed the game of football uh, more than any 
any example that either of you have have pointed out or may have pointed out, and that is that is Calvin Johnson, because we, thanks to him, no longer know what a catch is. And so I think I think, you know, that's probably the, the biggest change uh, of, of all you know, as far as wide receivers go. And then the fourth one is uh, Johnny Morton. I don't know why he wasn't even the best receiver on Kansas City in 2003. Yeah, I saw him play for years of the Lions, too. That's um, an odd choice. I just okay. loved that guy for some reason. He always did the worm after he got a touchdown pass. I just freaking I, loved that. I thought for a long time about putting Don Hudson on the list. So I, when I was going back and forth, even though I obviously never saw him play, but the kinds of records he put up mm-hmm. and, the, and how long that these records stood. I mean, Rice broke a lot of his records. So I, I thought just based off of, off of, you know, with the pro football reference stat sheet says on him, I thought about putting him on the list instead of Art Monk. But because I, because I still have um, ticks uh, for what Art Monk did to the Detroit Lions, I want to put him on, on, on there instead. All right, question number two. If maybe three, four weeks ago, somebody just came up to you and handed you 1200 bucks to blow on whatever you wanted to, what would you have spent it on? Oh. A gun. Okay, um, that's a good answer. I'm not. I'm. I had to pause. I'm not sure I I could come up with another one. Not knowing what everything was gonna go. Yeah, yeah. Gonna go Having on. No idea. Yeah. Um, oh wow. Then, because that that probably would yeah. be my answer now. Um, but um, you know what? Maybe I'd set it aside for. Uh, the uh, PlayStation five fun for later this year, you know, because I know Noah's very, uh, hyped about that. Maybe set it aside to go see, uh, a, you know, a, a Michigan football game this fall, something like that. Probably. Yeah. Actually, no, no, I would have said like, I don't know how much these things, cost, but like new, new bathroom update or yeah. something for my wife. She's, she's due for something like that. One of these days. That'd go quite a little ways. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I don't, I don't know. I play it, put it, put it towards, put it towards loans of some sort. That's probably what I would do. Boring like that. Uh, question number three. Uh, this one is actually a listener submitted question that I'm going to just change a little bit. Uh, this is from Seth. He says, you frequently mentioned during the show that you read comics or you read comics growing up. Uh, was one Spider-Man? If so, who do you think are Spider-Man's greatest foes? Yep, Spider-Man was absolutely one of the comics that I read growing up. And uh, I would say the Green Goblin is an obvious choice because in many respects, just as the Joker is an alter ego of Batman, a, another, a fractured psyche who went the other way, um, the, the, the Green Goblin is another man of science who... Um, uh, through well his circumstances are more directly correlated Peter Parker was not trying to get bitten by a spider okay uh, but uh, uh, Norman Osborn was uh, attempting uh, was Icarus in his story but similarly a uh, happenstance of science turns him into uh, something he never intended to be and, and so I uh, that's part of it plus I just thought he had a really cool look as a kid you know but uh, I, I was always a big Mysterio fan uh, and always thought that he would make a great movie, and it turned out that's one of the rare things I'm right about. He did make a great movie, so I would put uh, those. I mean, Spider-Man's got a great Rose Gallery. I, I would say Batman's is the only one that has a better Rose Gallery than Spider-Man does. But those would be my top two. 
Yeah, I'm. I just know them by name. I didn't really read the comics, but oh, and Electro. I forgot. I love Electro. Got to put Electro in there too. They did not do him justice in the movie when they tried it. But loved Electro as a kid. Who Electro? Which movie? Which series? Of he was in the in the second the Andrew Garfield Andrew one, the Garfield second ones. one, and I think Jamie Foxx played him. Oh, yeah. They okay. they they did not do Electro justice in that movie. They no. didn't do a lot of things justice. And they didn't in do a lot Goblin of those justice in that movie either. You're right. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I didn't read, I didn't read Spider-Man growing up, but I, I, I always thought the Green Goblin in the movies and what I did know about him was always the creepiest. Uh, yeah, the cackle so, and the laugh. Yeah, the cackle yeah. and the laugh. So I, I'll go with Green Goblin. Then. As much as I liked the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, I didn't like that the Green Goblin was essentially a military hardware exosuit rather than a mutation. You know what I'm saying? I, they didn't really turn him in to a goblin. Where in the in the comics, he, it's, a, it's a mutation that he causes. I mean, it turns him into a goblin. A literal goblin. Like the Hulk. You know, Hulk's out. Mm-hmm. He, Norman Osborn uh, blacks out and goblins out. I, I, I wish they would have done that instead of the... Because everything else about that movie I really like. I just thought the Green Goblin, you know suit battle suit this was kind of lame didn't you think that at the time i didn't think those, those movies just they never they weren't terrible but they never so got i always me. thought toby mcguire was a was a was a really good peter parker and not a good spider-man and i thought andrew garfield was a really good spider-man and not a good peter parker and i i think tom holland is the perfect mix of them both like i think he pulls both of them yeah. off well, my daughters didn't see the other ones, but they agree about Tom Holland. That's, um, I, I, that's I, like their first yeah. Hollywood crush, I think. Uh, Chris Evans, and and is, is was the first, but it's Tom Holland now. Yeah, yeah I, I hear quite a lot about uh, Tom Holland, particularly from Zoe, the youngest daughter. Yeah, I, I hear quite a bit about him from her. Any final words here today, gentlemen? Before we wrap this up, uh, never been prouder of the show, and that's a pretty damn high bar. It's just. It's an honor to come to work uh, and try to be part of a solution to living in a great country as long as we can. Yeah, agreed. It's, uh, you know, we never, never want to have these circumstances, but uh, good grief. If, uh, I mean, it feels like, I don't know about you guys, it feels like our show is uh, needed now more than ever and i don't want to sound condescending or anything about that but that's that's what it feels like there is that mission there that we talked about for sure well said we'll be back at it again tomorrow noon to two eastern right after glenn beck until then john three seventeen. this is steve dace on the blaze radio network